It's time for Yes, I Can Living. Entrepreneurial women all have one thing in common. We want to consistently improve our lives to be the best it can be. I'm your host, Kathy Alessandra, and I'll be interviewing inspiring women who think outside the box, color outside the lines, and live beyond the limits of their fears. They're living all in and playing full out, creating their best life and embodying Yes, I Can Living. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Yes, I Can Living. I'm your host, Kathy Alessandra, and I am very excited today to have a special guest with us, Jonathan Asley. So the focus of one of America's leading midlife dating coach has expanded into deeper essential philosophy of what it truly means to love. After losing his 19-year-old son in 2018, Jonathan Asley's grief led him on a soul-searching inner journey where he became aware of an often overlooked dimension of the dating conversation. He realized that the process of dating reveals the most common emotional health issues faced by many singles seeking a partner, a distressing lack, get it ladies, of self-worth, self-regard, and self-love. Jonathan, Jonathan saw a tremendous opportunity to help clients experience true happiness, purpose, and peace inside themselves first. And only then, from that authentic heart-centered place, can they create a loving, thriving relationship. So Jonathan, I'm super excited to have you today. I mean, you know, that's the official bio, but the fact is we've known each other for a number of years. And um, you followed my journey, I followed yours. We've met for happy hour. We've talked about dating and love <laughs> and grief and all these other things. And welcome to the, to the show. I appreciate having you here today. Well, I'm honored to be here. I, I vaguely remember, not vaguely, I, I, I significantly remember <laughs> we did a podcast like going on almost 10 years ago and right? what a different place you and I both were in. I mean, I remember, you know, you were significantly heavier back then. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes, I was. And I was and, married and, 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 uh, and yeah. I was very much stuck in my ego back then. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Things things have definitely changed, but I am grateful that we have stayed friends through all of it. Likewise, likewise. Sure. So I really wanted to bring you um, to the women, to the listeners um, today because of this topic of of self-love and of love in general, and then even the whole dating concept. But what I want to do first is, you know, the magazine is all about life, love, health, wealth, and business. Um, so let's get a little bit more information about you and talk about, you know, why, how and why did you start your business originally? Oh, you know, it's interesting. If I go back in time and reflect, I had, um, in 2005, I went through a divorce and like a lot of people back then who was, you know, go through a divorce and, you know, after a little while you go, I'm going to put myself out there back in the dating realm. And there used, and there was this thing called online dating, you know, in 2005. And, and it was like, Ooh, it's a shiny, bright new object. And you could simply plug in what you want and something would magically, someone would magically appear. And it was like, literally the thought was that easy. Um, I found my experience was, I'll never forget. I went on this great, I went on this, my first internet date, had a really good time, nice woman, something wasn't right. And then a few days later, I meet someone else online and, you know, really nice woman, nice date, something wasn't right. And then it happened again and again and again. And in one year, I had over a hundred internet dates. (laughs) When I realized though, there, the something wasn't right was me. Like I was the common denominator. And 
Now, I, I'm sharing this story because at that time I used to be in the insurance business, but I had over a hundred internet dates. I was talking to women. I was I actually became addicted to the conversations of just talking to women online. Instant message, telephone calls, and they're sharing their stories, sharing their stories. And what happened during these experiences, a lot of women, I wasn't even meeting to go out on dates. I was just talking with, they would reach out to me because I practically developed a friendship with them. And they go, Jonathan, will you check out my profile and tell me what you think to like make it better? Mm-hmm. So I just started to give just my opinion. And, and sure enough, I, I'd suggest to a woman change her profile. And um, three weeks later, I get a phone call. Oh my God, I met a great guy. Will you check out his profile and tell me what you think? So I realized I had a knack in here. And at the same time, I had previously dated a woman in internet marketing. I mean, she was a, I call it internet marketing, but she was a coach. And this was right when things were really beginning to take off in the, in the late 2000, you know, before 2010. And I was watching her business as a coach and I'm helping women, you know, at this point, even though that relationship was short lived, it was helping so many women. I'm like, why don't I become a coach? I wasn't happy in my insurance career. I was actually quite miserable. And women were, I mean, women were just reaching out to me all the time. Can you help me make my profile better? And so that in essence in 2010 is where my business was birthed. Okay. Awesome. Well, and you know, and, and, it, and it's grown tremendously and, um, yeah. and then made this shift. Uh, well, what's interesting recently. is I did it mostly as a hobby. Um, and then about 2013, um, I don't I want to say I burnt the bridge, you know, burnt the boats, so to speak, although to some degree you have to kind of, you know, a lot of people begin getting the coaching business. It's in a hobby, but at some point you have a tipping point mm-hmm. in 2013, I hit that tipping point where, I was making enough money to pay my bills. And that's when things started to shift for me. Because it really was a quasi hobby, kind of not, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But as I started to make revenue, that really shifted it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I can do it for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, this whole idea of you know, how self-love is imperative to health and well-being, you know, and you talk about, because yeah. you, you really came from that place of, you know, a dating coach, right? Yeah. And then, unfortunately, due to the um, tragic um, death of your son, yeah. it shifted because of, of what you learned about yourself and how this all works together. So let's talk a little bit about that and how, sure, you know, sure. what your views are on that and how we can find that for ourselves. So thank you. And, and you were there in the beginning of the journey when Connor passed away. Um, when Connor passed, I had been blogging about self-love. And I'd actually been writing my second book uh, about dating and relationships. And I just, I just, I kept feeling this pull to shift from the dating book I was writing to a more compassionate kind of bigger picture kind of um, I don't want to say concept, but um, perception I was beginning to have. And so I made a conscious choice uh, exactly two months of the day when he passed. I said, I'm going to write a book about self-love. And as I was, and, but I was still kind of not, I was still kind of like exploring it even for myself because when Connor passed, I chose not to go down the path of pain and suffering. 
um, many people, when they lose a child or lose any loved one, they go down a path of pain and suffering. And I said, no, I'm going to grieve with love. I said that to myself. I remember I was at the funeral. I said, I'm going to grieve with love. And I wanted to lean into what love meant. And as I began exploring this, as I began writing the book, and uh, the book is called What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway, mm-hmm. I really began to recognize that at least two, two things were happening. A, I recognized in the dating realm, this is the really critical piece that's missing because most people's core wound is, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not likable, okay? And, but as I was writing the book, I realized I actually did experience despair 15 years earlier or 13 years earlier when I went through a divorce in 2005 when I lost all my money in the marketplace, I got wiped out in 2008, and I had to move in with my elderly parents. Here I was, a 40-something-year-old man who used to live in a $2 million home, and I had to move into a retirement community with my mom and dad. I was humbled. And I was in a, back in 2005, I was in a big state of depression. Mm-hmm. Why this is so critical for this conversation is at that time, I watched the movie The Secret came out in 2006. I dated a woman who was in the coaching industry. I began starting to follow Tony Robbins again. I mean, instead of the infomercials, I I actually took my box of CDs that I had from him that were like back in 2020 or 2000, (laughs) excuse me, and finally opened them in like 2008 and nine and started to listen to the CDs. And as I connected the dots backward, the reason why I didn't go down the rabbit hole of pain and suffering when Connor passed was because I began a practice of personal development, self-help and spiritual work Mm -hmm. prior to that. And so as I began writing the book, it just kind of started to write itself from all of my past experiences and what I was being prepared for. And so I recognized, as I said before, and what you said in my bio, The number one emotional health issue facing most humans is I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not likable. Mm -hmm. And whether it's in dating and relationships or starting a business or being your own entrepreneur or working for someone else, this directly affects every area of your life. And that's what I discovered when I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does. What, so how do you, how do you work to develop? I mean, that, self-love. It's, it's a hard thing. I mean, they talk about unconditional love, right? Loving yeah. yourself. You can't really love yourself. Or you can't really love others until you love yourself. And so where do you even start in this journey of trying to find self-love? Well, I want to clarify something you just said for your audience, because there's a yeah. misconception. You can't love others until you love yourself. I kind of think of it more like this. It's kind of like the oxygen mask on the airplane. Mm-hmm. is and that's the analogy i put in the book the oxygen mask let's represent oxygen of love when we begin to love ourselves we can then serve others so i just want to clarify because there's a misconception a lot of people have is you have to fully love yourself and then you can love others no that's not it just begin the process of loving yourself so that leads into your question right. thank you um a lot of people get confused about the term self-love they think it's woo-woo they think it's you know like you know you know like oh my god it's it's it just it doesn't sound it sounds too frou-frou for me well let's 
Let's replace it with words self-worth, self-confidence, self-reliance, self-discipline. <laughs> Anything that has a self in it, just, just put a big heart around it and that's love. So self-love is all these things. Now, how do we begin? As I said in my book, I, I truly believe it starts with a, um, well, sometimes for some people, it starts as a humbling event. You've had some humbling event. And that's an opportunity to crack you open. And you have a choice. You can take the red pill or the blue pill. The red pill is the despair, suffering, you know, uh, go down the rabbit hole of pain. Or you take the blue pill. I want to heal from this suffering. That's, what, that's the beginning phase of self-love, is yeah. saying, I'm going to choose to begin to use love as the antidote to pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a vaccination. This would include personal development work. This would include self-help work. This would include spiritual work. It could be starting with maybe meditation 15 minutes a day. It might be listening to an Abraham Hicks CD, or it might be a Wayne Dyer or a Marianne Williamson. It could be reading the book, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Great book, by the way. Yeah. So it starts with nurturing and learning within oneself. It's, it's really introspective work. And, you know, that's the starting point to say, okay, I want to choose something better than pain and suffering. I want to choose and choosing love is the antidote. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, I think you talk about there being a kind of a, that something that flips that switch for you. Right. I mean, yeah. the, um, I think, you know, when my son and the, the drug use that yeah. he was experiencing, right. I mean, that started it. And luckily I was already kind of in that work of the self-development and all that when the divorce came around. Right. So <laughs> I was able to continue to dive a little deeper into that spiritual, uh, self-help work and all that. But, um, but yeah, I can see what, because up to that it was, um, yeah, not by the way. Now I, I want to share something with your audience. I did something called the Hoffman process back in 2017. And for those that aren't familiar with it, you can Google it, the Hoffman process. It's a inner child workshop. And it's a seven, eight day immersion into healing childhood wounds and traumas and releasing any pain and suffering you might have for one or both of your parents, uh, if there's any, for some people there was significant, for some people it was lingering. While I'm sharing this with you, there was one exercise, which was a birthday exercise, you know, like a rebirthing. Mm -hmm. And in that, it was a five hour experience and I knew what it felt like to love myself during this period of time. So I literally was wrapped in a blanket of self-love and that really began the catalyst for me because the hardest piece for many people is knowing what it feels like to love yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, like a lot of people don't even know what that feels like. And I can understand because I was there because most people intellectualize their feelings instead of actually deeply feeling their feelings and allowing feelings to just come and go rather than getting attached to the negative ones. Mm -hmm. It's just like the ocean. It just kind of goes in and comes out and goes in and comes out. And so that awareness helped significantly for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that helps. And I mean, I know that you're a dating coach and, and we've had many conversations about the dating yeah. stuff. But I think even the self-love is going to impact, I mean, even if you're already married or in a significant other relationship, I still think 
this is something that needs to be worked on. Would you not agree? Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's really about recognizing that our sovereignty, what makes us up as a person, deserves just as much love as you give to your child. Right. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's almost this we for some people, there's almost this martyr complex. I have to give to everyone else because I, you know, and on some subconscious level, I don't deserve love. And so but if I'm giving love to everyone else, I can also say, well, look at what a martyr I am because I give everyone else love. Well, no, you're you're not. It's time to get selfish mm -hmm. and, and not at the expense of anyone else, because as we said in the oxygen mask analogy, is how can you serve others if you're not serving yourself? Right. And your whole business platform is all centered around that. You know, yes I can is really a declaration of saying, look, it's I love myself and everyone else. Mm -hmm. right. I love myself and everyone else. Not, you know, it's, they, they're equal. It's not I love everyone else. Oh, and I give myself some love when I, you know, when I marginally feel worthy for it. No, it's right. setting your own um, self as a priority. Your, our highest priority should be us, mm -hmm. not from a selfish place, but from right. a from a, a nurturing your soul place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you can't pour. I mean, in, in, you can't pour into others unless you pour into yourself first. Same with the oxygen mask, right? You can't yeah. if you're. <laughs> If you're asphyxiating, you don't have the oxygen, then, you know, how can you possibly give it to somebody else to share if there is none there? So Exactly. Let's touch a little bit quickly on the, um, on the dating, you know, sure. and, and you, you talk about, you know, the current state of dating really needs a makeover. So what do you mean by that? Well, well, a lot of, well, gosh. <laughs> I know, I mean, this could be a, a two-hour conversation or more, huh? Yeah, I mean, I shoot four <laughs> videos a week on my YouTube channel talking about this. So a couple things is that the traditional form of dating, the expectations around the traditional form doesn't exist anymore. First off, most people aren't meeting organically like they used to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and when I say traditional, I'm talking about pre-1960, when predominantly men were the significant people in the workforce and there wasn't birth control and, you know, so much has shifted because of those two things. Women, because of birth control and because of women, you know, are equally as dominant in the workforce as men. And I'm not talking about, you know, gender um, income differentials. I'm just saying, a woman now has the capacity to fully support herself. She doesn't need a man anymore, mm -hmm. per se. Right. Okay, so that's one of the things is to shift that paradigm because that's still resonate. That's still so much fixated into the way our socialization. Um, where I come at it, I come at it from a place of understanding human behavior and recognizing that most people are wounded on some level. They've had some traumas, they've had some wounds, they've had some adult experiences that caused them to skew how they approach the dating process. And so why it needs a makeover, the makeover is the recognition that compassion needs to be the driving force, or at least in my purview, the driving force, compassion for oneself and compassion for another human being. The sad part is dating today is almost based on judgment. There's so much judgment about another person. And part of that is because they're carrying, many people are carrying over their past hurts into anything new. 
-hmm. And then now, and especially in the environment we live in today, where there's almost no tolerance, God forbid somebody doesn't wear a mask, or they do wear a mask, or they voted one way, or they voted the other way. I mean, people are so sensitive to one another, it's lacking compassion, hence why it needs a makeover. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough world out there at the moment. The you know, the other is... thing is, it lacks, the other thing is dating lacks directionality. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of something I've been literally touching upon, and this might fascinate your, your listeners, is that it was very simple in the past. Most of us had a simple blueprint. We went to high school, we went to college, we went to college, we got a job, we got a job, we met a girl or guy, we, you know, we, we got married, we bought a house, we started a family. There was kind of a progression, there was directionality. Now, I happen to speak to a group of midlife people. These are all mostly people who are divorced, you know, people over 40. And relationships have very little directionality. And for a lot of, because of that directionality, a lot of men in particular lack uh, intention or purpose in the reason why we're dating. Because most humans are dating to fill three basic needs, companionship or connection, companionship and sex. There's no directionality, there's no purpose, there's no intention. And what makes matters worse is men are clueless at this and women prefer men to lead the process. And I'm like, you're giving the job to the wrong person because they're clueless at direction and by the way, men, we know men are clueless of direction because when they get lost, they don't ask for directions. Women notoriously ask for directions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So shouldn't be the person who knows the directions be guiding the relationship process, but that's not how it works because we're so stuck on an old paradigm. Right. And that's what I draw attention to. By the way, did that legitimately make sense, everything it, I said? It's it totally legitimate. I'm just thinking <laughs> about my relationship and it totally makes sense, right? I mean, you're right. And I think a lot of our listeners are, you know, in that category, the age category anyway, and not yeah. necessarily all dating, but it's, um, you know, it's, I've had the kids, I've had the house, I have my own house, I have, right? And so what does that, you know, what does that look like in, um, in the future for, for either one? And that's- and By the way, interesting enough, and I know your audience is mostly women, I, I, um, is they think they know what they want. Most women think they know what they want. They, they, and I say this, okay, ladies listening, I know someone's listening is going, I know exactly what I want. I say this because I interview hundreds of women to go through my coaching program. And then when they hire me, the first thing I do is I have them describe their ideal relationship. Then they go through my proprietary program I put together. And then I have them re-describe their ideal relationship. And Kathy, can I tell you what happens every single time? They all say the same thing. Why didn't they teach us this in school? Why didn't someone tell me this? I wish I learned this 10 years ago before I wasted all my time with someone. So these are women who all thought they knew what they wanted. Because mm -hmm. women tend to think of it at the 40,000 foot level, not the baseline level. Yeah. That's what I teach. Yeah. I help understand the mechanics of a healthy, happy relationship. And so if, and, and men, by the way, Nine out of 10 relationship books are purchased by women, not by men. Or, I believe that. <laughs> so if women are studying this stuff, then they should be giving the directions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that open conversation, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm very blessed in, in the relationship that I'm in. Okay. There is open conversation. So I'm able to share some of my feelings and where, you know, and, and guiding it, but, but, but. Yeah, I you could totally run that relationship. He'll do whatever you say. Come on. 
<laughs> uh, not because, by the way, not because you're some masculine, powerful woman. It's because he adores you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed in this relationship. Very blessed. Yeah. So let me ask you this, um, touching back on the business stuff for a second yeah. here. So when you look at, you know, where you were, where you are now, um, you know, and, and how the business has evolved and how dating has evolved, um, what do you wish you might have known earlier on that you know now that you would tell your younger self? Oh, well, I've got one for that. So, you know, it's interesting. When I started my business, uh, a friend of mine, I, I, do you know Beth Davis? Oh, yes. Yeah. So she once gave me a great analogy. She said, building a business, coaching business is like, trying to build an airplane while it's in midair and you're trying to put all the parts together, you know, and you're using like, you know, the parts of a 747 wing on one side and a 737 on the other side. And all the while you're getting your pilot's license while you're flying this plane. <laughs> I'll never forget that description. And that's what it felt like when I started. What a couple things now, because I'll tell you, when Connor passed away, I kind of cocooned for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't working. And, and it showed in my business. I mean, my business revenue dropped substantially. But my business was suffering quite a bit before that. And what I found was, and I, by the way, it's changed dramatically. So I want to touch in, step into this big time, is I kind of, my, my mailing list was old. My mailing list was rather just kind of probably, what's the word? Um, not outdated, but just um, just old and tired, if you will. Right, right. And I was so dependent on my mailing list and getting prospects into my mailing list just started to drop significantly. My Facebook wasn't working for me. Uh, doing summits with other people wasn't working for me. I just wasn't getting enough prospects in the pipeline, so to speak. So I, I, and by the way, for four years straight, a dear friend of mine who has a YouTube channel and a podcast, he has a YouTube channel with almost 250 million views with almost a million followers. Okay. He's got a podcast that has over 7 million downloads. He'd been pushing me, start your YouTube channel, start your YouTube channel, start YouTube. And I was resistant. I was resistant because I didn't like doing the camera stuff. Mm-hmm. But I started to do it little by little, little by little, little by little. And in the beginning of this year of 2020, I made a commitment to do two videos a week. And as I started to do that, I started to get a little bit of traction. And then I amped it to three or four videos a week, posting on a variety of topics of why do men do this and why do men do that and why do men do this? Because <laughs> women are always fascinated with the why. <laughs> of course. And in, in March, my channel probably only had 1,500 subscribers. Well, this constant repetition, this constant repetition led to me having some real big blow, some vi videos going viral. And I had one video that took off and had 50,000 views in a matter of, a, you know, a few weeks. Right. And all of a sudden, and by the way, in every video I'm clicking, click the link below to schedule a discovery call, click the link below to schedule a discovery call, click the link below to schedule or buy my book or do this or do that. And I grew now to, I went from 1,500 subscribers to 15,000 subscribers in just three months. I mean, in about a three month period of time, I, I grew tenfold. My views went from an average of like 500 views a day on my channel to 10,000 views a day. And 
why this is so critically important is because people are visually and auditorily hearing me and I have access to a free search engine. Right. Second largest. And, yeah. And so I'm now getting about 30 leads a, a week or no, 30 to 40 leads a month from my YouTube and now my podcast. And my podcast now uh, is generating 5,000 downloads a month, which is for a brand new podcast is a really high number. Right. So I'm touching upon topics that want to be heard and I'm using a platform that I can reach a lot more people because Facebook is very limited in the of how you can get to people. Even Instagram is limited, but YouTube is so gigantic and all it takes is one video to go viral and then a few others start going a little viral and, and little by little, that's what's been. And so if to answer your question, I should have listened to him four years ago is what I should have done. <laughs> Oh, hindsight. We always need the hindsight. It's always 2020, right? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Okay, awesome. Fantastic. Well, let me ask you this, uh, kind of as we wrap it up here, as we're getting close to the half hour mark, where, where do you, you know, where are things going for you? What's next? And, and what makes you a yes, I can man? <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's interesting about the what next. I'm, I'm not like your, you know, I'm, I'm probably not your ideal client because... <laughs> And let me explain why. I've let go goals. Mm -hmm. I've literally let go of the idea of a goal. Now, I have an underlying goal in my life that I'd like to live a good lifestyle and, and such, but I don't sit there and plan much for the future. I actually take a spiritual approach and just say, spirit, guide me each and every day. Mm -hmm. Now, I do this because... I create a lot of anxiety over the idea of productivity and pro and if you get stuck in the hamster wheel of what productivity means that can create a lot of anxiety. So by letting go of goals, I've let go of productivity. Now I'm incredibly productive. I just don't focus on it anymore. I just allow myself to be guided each and every day. However, you know, where spirit guides me and someday spirit guides me and says, Hey, just sit in bed and lay down all day long. That's how I feel guided. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't beat myself up for it. That's the key piece. Right. right. So I don't know what the, you know, here's the thing. And I think this is because of when I lost Connor, I realized nothing is guaranteed tomorrow. So why put too much energy for me? You know, other than I want to pay my bills and make money and travel and do all the great things you do every day of the week. I'm like always watching your channel going, how do I do her stuff? No. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I trust, I have literal trust that everything is going to work out just fine for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that took years to develop that faith, that trust. Yeah. So I wake up going, hey, what video do I want to shoot today? And how can I serve? And that's it without a real game plan. And lately it's been working for me. We'll see what happens if that shifts. Um, what was the second part of the question? <laughs> what makes you a yes, I can, man? You know... I'm going to bring it back to love. It's a conscious choice to choose love. It really is. I mean, when I, I go back to what I said at my son's funeral, I'm giving the eulogy and I stopped right in the middle. And I said to everyone, his family and friends are out there, my family and friends. I said, look, I could grieve through suffering. We could all grieve through suffering. I'm going to, I'm choosing to grieve with love. Who's on board with me. And I think saying yes, is really saying yes to love. Mm -hmm. 
because we are all embodiments of love on some way, shape or form. It may not look like that, but everybody embodies that inside them. So I go deeper and say yes to love and everything else kind of works out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I can't quantify it because love is something it's difficult to quantify. I can't say, you know, Y equals MX plus B kind of thing, you know, in geometry. <laughs> right. But I can say, and love looks like this, compassion, empathy, uh, understanding, transparency, um, you know, self-discipline, uh, self-worth, self-confidence, self-reliance, all those things. And I just lean into it as much as I can. And I will say this for your audience. Do I have days where I am crucifying myself for something that's happened? Have I had days where I beat myself up? Yes. I am much quicker at shifting to loving myself because of a daily practice of personal development, self-help and spiritual work. And that's my invitation for everyone is to, because that you are, you are, you you are your own, you should be your highest priority. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Again, it's everybody else is important. You should be your highest priority. And just giving oneself 15 minutes to an hour a day for self is pivotal to shifting to a yes, I can. Amen. I agree with that one. <laughs> and then I'm wearing my t-shirt that says the self-love club. I love it. I want to join the, I'm, I'm in the self-love club. I'm in there with you. Amazon. Just yeah. type it in Amazon. Oh, really? Okay. All right. But well, okay. Speaking of that, how can, I'm sure there's listeners who are wanting to connect with you. How, where, let us know what your different platforms, how can people find okay. you? Okay. Well, give me a second to say all this. So first off my book, what the heck is self-love anyway? It's on Amazon. My podcast, the What Would Love Do podcast is on Apple and Stitcher and Google, and it's on my website, uh, the What Would Love Do podcast. My YouTube channel, Jonathan Asley. (laughs) You can just Google my name in YouTube, Jonathan Asley. That's called Understand Men Now, my website. And then social media, I'll be candid with you. I'm I'm mostly focusing social media for just connecting with friends. I'm not using it as a business platform anymore Mm -hmm. uh, as much. Um, just because podcasts and YouTube are far superior, I believe, than social media is compared to the past. Right. I think these two platforms have a greater chance of success other than if you're buying Facebook ads and that sort of thing. So, but I'm on Instagram and all that good stuff. And you'll just see pictures of me hanging out with my, my son and my, yes, I love them. I love them. I just want to reiterate what you just said, podcasts and YouTube videos. Who's ever listening? Podcasts and YouTube videos. There, you know, you got to be looking at what's next and what's where you're playing and where you're spending your time. And look at what you grew, Jonathan, by listening to that, albeit not immediately, but you know, listening to it and following that. And uh, I, I can't begin to. Everyone listening to this, it's and and by the way, all it takes is buying it. You look, I got a Yeti microphone right here. You know, it's I got audacity. It takes a few seconds to learn how to do this stuff and. Yeah. And it doesn't take much to get it started. No. And, and you'd be surprised. Like I, I, by the way, I hit number five in Estonia the other day of like top <laughs> podcasts in the relationship realm. So, People you know, are, it's, it's, a, it's a topic that everybody- By the way, in Korea, I'm like in the top 20. I'm like, it's all these weird places. <laughs> By the way, in the United States, I'm in the top hundred, so I'm grateful there for that. There you go. That's awesome. That's fantastic. But, but it, but it, and it takes a little bit of imagination and work. 
and it's not really that hard. This, even the YouTube videos, and by the way, I do zero editing. I just rip for eight minutes on a video. I do zero editing. I just shoot, put it out there. And that, that's the other thing. A lot of people get hung up with the perfection. Yeah. You don't need to. In fact, imperfection is actually sexier and sells more. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's not about the quality of the, of the video actually, right? It's about the content. The yes, quality. it's the content. Yeah. And a good title, by the way. Yeah. yeah, that helps. That helps for sure. Yeah. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to um, to interview you and have a chat and um, think about all these kinds of things, right? Because self-love is, you know, it's an important thing and many people are, ha are, are struggling and finding that compassion and that grace for oneself right now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really a time to embody that and it will make such a difference in all of our relationships, not just even our love relationships, but even friendship. Every relationship. Every relationship. So, um, so thank Big you. Hugs so much. to you, sweetheart. I adore you. <laughs> I love you too. Thank you so much for being it. And we'll see everybody on the next episode of Yes I Can Living. Uh, be sure to uh, follow us on Yes I Can Living on Instagram and um, and connect with us to get that next issue of our print magazine. Until then, have a wonderful Yes I Can day. Thanks so much. Bye bye.